today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. They've been with Jesus. Well, how do you know? They just reek of it. (laughs) They just have this pleasant, sweet aroma. When my wife wears her perfume, which isn't very often, but when we're together and if we go out on a date night and without the kids, and she wears perfume and I'm next to her, my arm around her, that fragrance is now on me. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. Some people never leave home without wearing their favorite perfume or cologne. We come to associate that scent with them. A Christian should never leave home without wearing Christ. In today's message, Pastor J.D. teaches on what Paul meant when he wrote about the fragrance of Christ. What do others associate with you? Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But now here's Pastor J.D. with his continuing study, The Triumphant Christian. One of the things that I really appreciate about all of you is that ministry doesn't just take place between pulpit and pew. Ministry takes place between you and you, in the kitchen, out in the courtyard, out front. And sometimes God will choose to use that brother or sister in Christ to have a word for you, a word fitly spoken, and unbeknownst to them oftentimes it is an exact confirmation of that which you were seeking the Lord concerning And I see that with the Apostle Paul here concerning the peace of God. One of the things I'm learning in my own walk with the Lord is that there's this paramount importance of not moving forward absent this prevailing peace. Something Oswald Chambers once said, when in doubt, don't. Just wait. Wait for the Lord. I'm learning, and sadly I have to learn many things the hard way, and I have the scars to prove it. But I'm learning how to obey that pause, that check that God gives. And God will give it when something just isn't quite right. He disrupts that peace. He disturbs that peace. And He does it really to protect us from ourselves from making a very bad decision. I tell you, I've always regretted decisions I've made when I didn't obey that pause. And conversely, I've never regretted a decision that I made when I just obeyed it and realized that God had disturbed my peace because He wanted me to wait and He didn't want me to move forward and get ahead of Him. Well, this brings us to the third prong in our template, which is that of God's providence. Again, this has to be in concert with God's Word and God's peace. This is where you can get into a lot of trouble if you take any of these, especially God's providence, standalone. And by that I mean, if you just 
base your decisions on the providential circumstances without the Word of God or the peace of God, it's a pretty good chance you're going to make a decision that is outside of the will of God. These all work together, one with the other. There are those times when God will orchestrate the circumstances, choreograph the steps, if you will, and He does this to lead us through doors that He opens for us. I know you've experienced this in your life where God has closed a door here only to open up a better door over here. I've never had God close a door in my life without opening up not only another door, but in some cases an infinitely better door. Here's an example, and I use this example because this was a lesson the Lord taught me. We at one time were considering and thinking about and praying about buying the agape shop in Kailua where our church office was and actually still is. And God just closed the door. I mean, He didn't just close the door. With me sometimes God has to slam it shut, lock it, all ten locks, and destroy the keys to those locks in the lake of fire. <laughs> just so I won't go through that door, because I there's just something about me. I am stup, 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 obstinate. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> I'm so obstinate, and I'm so stubborn, I'm so tenacious, and sometimes it's to my own peril. So God slammed that door shut, only to open up another door at 47525 Kamehameha Highway. <laughs> wow, God, thank you, thank you. Early in my life, before I met my wife, I was praying, you know, I was in a dating relationship with these Christians in the church, and we would you know, I would go out and I would pray, Lord, is this the one? Is this the one? Is this? I don't want to make it sound like I was. <laughs> that didn't come out right, did it? <laughs> Let me back up here a minute. And the Lord just closed the door on those relationships. And He did so to open up another door when in church I would meet my wife of 28 years this year. And by the way, young people, meeting your wife or husband future in church, that's a very good thing. That's a very good thing to meet them in church. That's a good place for them to be. Well, God will open up a door after he's closed one door, and it's always a better door, and that's the providence of God, providentially arranging the circumstances in our lives as he leads us. So now if you have the Word of God, the peace of God, and the providence of God, 
then I can assure you're in the will of God. You're in the will of God. Well, this brings us to our second one in verses 14 and 15, which is that the triumphant Christian has a pleasing aroma of Christ. I'll explain this. This is really fascinating, actually. In verse 14, Paul thanks God who always leads us as Christ's captives, and he draws upon this triumphal procession as we spread his aroma everywhere. Now, you have to understand, in Corinth, in that day, almost 2,000 years ago, they would have known exactly what Paul was referring to. In verse 15, he says, We are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ, both among those who are being saved and, as well, those who are perishing. What is Paul saying here? Well, in order to better understand what he's saying, we need to first know a little bit about these ancient Roman triumphal processions, which were commonplace in Paul's day. One commentator described this procession this way. When a Roman general went into battle and killed 5,000 or more of the enemy as he secured new territory for Rome, upon his return he rode in a chariot, followed by his soldiers marching in all of their glory. Behind the soldiers were the men who had been taken captive. Alongside the procession priests would walk, swinging their incense pots to create a sweet smell of victory as the entire procession made its way through the main thoroughfare to the Circus Maximus, where, for the entertainment of the crowd, the captives would do battle against wild beasts, basically sending them to their death. And that's what the procession was for and about. F.B. Meyer of this wrote, The idea is borrowed from an ancient Roman triumph, which to the eyes of the world of that day was the most glorious spectacle which the imagination could conceive. I was thinking about this as I was preparing for today, and I I think the closest thing that I can liken it to would be how grand and glorious of a spectacle the opening ceremonies of the Olympics have become. I mean, that's the only thing that I can come close to trying to imagine what this procession that Paul is referring to must have been like. What Paul is doing here is he's drawing upon this comparison first and foremost, to point to Jesus Christ as the victorious, conquering general. And if Jesus is the victorious, conquering general, then Paul, like us, can see ourselves as the priests of sorts, who would walk alongside the procession swinging the aromatic incense. Why? Because... Smell is the most powerful of all the senses. Did you know that? The way the smell, the scent, the aroma goes right into the brain, it triggers memories. 
a while back, I had smelled this scent that reminded me of my high school locker. It wasn't that bad. I, it actually, I know I could use some help with illustrations, but just pray for me. But no, it had this kind of wax, you know, candle kind of smell. I, I guess maybe the person who had that particular locker before me must have been into candles. I don't know. But it, it had a particular scent. And I'm just out one day and in the middle of nowhere I get hit with that same scent and immediately in that instant it brought back to my memory my high school locker from all of those years ago. I mean many, many, many years ago. I don't remember much from my high school days but all it took was that scent to remind me about that. That's why they would have these incense these pots, and they would have this aroma. And very interesting, because the aroma would trigger in the brain the memory of victory for the Romans. But conversely, it would trigger in the memory of the captives death. And that's why Paul, as we're going to see in the next verse, references this concerning the aroma that brings death, and the same aroma bringing life. This explains why it is, by the way, that non-Christians don't want to be around you. You stink (laughs) to them. You remind them of the foulness, the foul odor, if you will, of their sinfulness because we have the fragrance of Christ to the victors. It is a glorious memory and scent. But to those who are perishing, it is not. It's a reminder of their sinful condition, apart from a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Again, F.B. Meyer said it best, He says, thus the apostle wished that his life might be a sweet perfume, floating on the air, reminding me, and above all, reminding God of Christ. A sweet savor of Christ. It does not consist so much in what we do, but in our manner of doing it. Not so much in our words or deeds, as an indefinable sweetness, tenderness, courtesy, unselfishness, and desire to please others to their edification. It is the breath and fragrance of a life hidden with Christ in God and deriving its aroma from fellowship with Him. And I love this, the imagery here. He says, wrap the habits of your soul in the sweet lavender of your Lord's character. Wow. Have you ever been around somebody who's been with Christ? It reminds me of what they said of the disciples. They've been with Jesus. Well, how do you know? They just reek of it. (laughs) They just have this pleasant, sweet aroma when my wife wears her perfume, which isn't very often, but 
when we're together and if we go out on a date night and without the kids, and she wears perfume and I'm next to her, my arm around her, that fragrance is now on me. And sometimes I can still smell that. And again, it goes right to that center in the brain that just brings back all of these memories. And that's what Paul is referring here to when he draws upon this comparison with this procession. Well, our last one is found in verses 16 and 17, which is that the triumphant Christian possesses sincerity in Christ. And verse 16 is where Paul says that we are an aroma bringing death to one and an aroma that brings life to another. And then he asks rhetorically, but who is equal to such a task? He then says in verse 17, unlike so many, we don't peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, we speak with sincerity in Christ. If you were to ask me what I thought was one of the greatest characteristics of a Christian who's walking in victory, this would have to be it. Think about this. I think you would agree with this. A hypocritical, insincere Christian can never walk in victory. There's duplicity. Their walk is disingenuous. Whereas an authentic and sincere Christian will always walk in victory. One of the things that my boys are noticing is that their mom and dad aren't fake. And just recently my 16-year-old, soon-to-be, had a friend over, and he was telling us that his friend was just blown away by how genuine we were and how real we were. And then they even said how happy we were. And I'm like, we are? <laughs> wow. We, well, Of course, you know, we have our family nights. We play games. Four in a row is the recent one. And Levi always beats me in it. I'm having a struggle forgiving him for that. So you might pray for me on that one as well. And But we do have fun together. We really enjoy being together. When my wife and I are together, there's an authenticity. We're not putting on a show. Oh my goodness, how hard would that be to keep that up? I mean, and your kids see right through it, don't they? They know the real mom and dad. They know what we are when nobody's looking. There has to be a sincerity. There has to be an authenticity. A triumphant Christian is a genuine and sincere Christian, just as a defeated Christian is a disingenuous Christian. What's the number one thing that you hear the unbelievers say about us and the church in general? Is it not that the church is just full of hypocrites? You know, I have an answer that I like to give. The answer is, 
Yes, we are. But we're forgiven. We're forgiven. The church is not a showroom for saints. It's a hospital for sinners. That's what the church is. It's where people come just as they are, hypocrisy and all. And the Lord in His goodness and grace is not content to leave us there, thankfully. Wouldn't you agree? I think as we mature in our walk with the Lord, one of the things that becomes very evident and very aromatic, I might add, is that there is just a sincerity and an authenticity about them. It is a characteristic of a victorious Christian. It is the characteristic of a mature Christian. And whether it's the pastor in the pulpit or the Christian in the pew, I truly believe that this is a gauge by which to measure the degree of our victorious life in Christ. I'm going to close by answering the question that Paul rhetorically asks in verse 16. The question is, who is equal to such a task? And the answer is, only those who sincerely, genuinely, and I'll add humbly, follow Christ, are sufficient for such a task. Micah chapter 6 verse 8, I know you've heard this verse, we've made worship songs out of this verse, but this is the will of God. This is God's will. This is what God requires of us. Listen to this. He hath shewed thee, O man, what is good, And what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God? Did you catch that? To do justly, honestly, sincerely, genuinely, to love mercy. And by the way, none of these can be present absent humility. I think one of the greatest marks of spiritual maturity and Christian victory is humility. We are never more like Jesus Christ than when we are humble, because Jesus himself was humble. And conversely, we are never more like Satan than when we're proud. We're never more Christ-like than when we're humble, and we're never more Satan-like than when we're proud. The book of 2 Corinthians has much to teach us, but sadly that's all we have time for in today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Be sure to join us again, though, as Pastor J.D. Farag continues teaching his verse-by-verse study through the book of 2 Corinthians. In the meantime, you can find more messages from Pastor J.D. by visiting our website, InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast as well and receive new messages as soon as they're available. You can also download our mobile app for iPhone and Android, and you'll always have teachings from God's Word right at your fingertips. You'll also want to check out Pastor J.D.'s Aloha Prophecy Update. Each Friday and Saturday, Pastor J.D. shares the current events and how they relate to the end-time prophecies described in the Bible. 
The purpose behind these updates is to take a practical look at the end times and how events occurring around the world coincide with biblical prophecy. Pastor J.D. hopes the information he provides stirs in us an urgency to share the gospel and make sure all have heard the good news of Jesus before he returns to judge the world. There's much to learn each week, and Pastor J.D. does a great job of getting us the information we need. You can find new and previous updates by going to our YouTube channel. Just search the Aloha Prophecy Update on YouTube. We hope today's message has touched your life and left you craving more from the Word of God. Join Pastor J.D. next time for another in-depth look at the book of 2 Corinthians, right here on In Spirit and Truth.